Good morning, everyone. This is Georgiana from Employer Branding, the Inside Podcast. And today I am talking with Emily Firth. Good morning, Emily. So nice to have you here. Good morning. Lovely to be here on this uh, bright Monday morning. First thing, I've had some coffee, so I'm I'm ready to go. <laughs> ready to, to delve right into it. Well, Emily is an employer branding consultant who is based in Amsterdam and who works with companies all over Europe, I think, Emily, right? Because you're a global employer branding manager. Uh, all over Europe and in the US as well. And um, in the US. Since I started, so I guess that counts as global. Great, super nice. So please, Emily, maybe you'd like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what your company does, what your role is on a daily basis, and of course, why you chose Amsterdam. Yeah, no problem. Um, well, why I chose Amsterdam maybe is a <laughs> a longer story, but I, I just wanted a break from, from the UK, where I'm originally from. Mm-hmm. So I, I've been here actually about eight, nine years now, but I moved over. Um, I used to work in the ad industry, so I used to work mainly for consumer brand transformation. So I moved over for a change uh, about eight years ago and I thought I'd stay a year and I've ended up here eight years later. It's a great city to live in. Um, and It's very entrepreneurial. So it's a really lovely place to start your own business. Everyone knows everyone. It's well connected. There's quite a lot of support for entrepreneurs. So found myself staying um, <laughs> longer than I expected. Um, but yeah, originally from I'm from the UK. I worked in advertising for many years. So I worked at big companies like Ogilvy and Mather and small digital startups in the UK as well mm-hmm. in London. Um, I ended up in employer branding sort of accidentally. So I um, Booking.com was one of my clients when I was agency side. And I ended up thinking it'd be nice to work for them because I really liked them as a client. And as I was exploring their marketing roles, I came across a role to head up their employer branding team and really help shape and develop it. And I didn't really know what employer branding was, but when I realized it was effectively the brand transformation work I'd been doing but from the inside out, mm-hmm. focusing mm-hmm. on culture and people rather than products, um, exactly. mm-hmm. I got really excited about the idea. So I moved in-house and, and went pretty directly into a very senior a role within a massive organization. So it was my first time client side and my first time um, in employer branding. So it was quite a baptism of fire, I would say. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, a lot of things really surprised me about employer branding, realizing that it wasn't as connected internally within a big org to marketing and consumer marketing and branding as maybe I felt it should have been. Um, and also, you know, expecting it to be able to have more impact more quickly. Um, than I did because I saw it as such an important and critical area mm-hmm. for any business mm-hmm. that was hiring globally. So I spent about two and a half years there really shaping the work and trying to move them from being seen as a travel agency to a big tech company that was really cutting edge for tech employees in particular. Really enjoyed my time there. We did loads, um, really got under the skin of employer branding and got a taste for it and got passionate about it. And then decided um, when I had my first child not to come back after maternity leave and Mm -hmm. to start Mm -hmm. out on my own. So while I was off, I I spoke to a lot of people and actually had time to take a step back and, and think about what I wanted. Um, And then, yeah, ended up in employer branding as a consultant. um, And the work hasn't really stopped coming, to be honest. So I think, especially with the pandemic hitting shortly after, 
there's a huge appetite and interest in employer That's branding and, mm-hmm. and companies really understand the culture and the impact it has on their overall brand a lot more as well. So it's been a really actually exciting, crazy time to be mm-hmm. employer branding. Um, I've loved it. So I've been doing that for almost three years now. Um, and my company is called The Truth Works. So our goal really is to actually create employer brand narratives that are based on insight and based on truth, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so we really are focused on um, getting to the heart of what makes you unique as an employer and then amplifying it um, and making it as aspirational as it can be. So you on a good day, effectively. And I recently um, I'm expanding the business. So I'm really excited to be growing and taking on more talented consultants as well. Super. So you you talk a lot about the power of an original, non-repetitive employer brand proposition. What is some actionable advice in this direction? You know, like two or three bullet points we should have in mind when working on our EVP. Yeah, I think um, I think trying to be unique is always is always hard when you think about it from a strategic right. perspective. Mm-hmm. So there's always going to be people who can offer similar things to you, other employers who can offer similar things. I think where you find your uniqueness is in the way you express that idea. So actually, a lot of the the uniqueness and the differentiation comes through creativity. And a lot of what I'm always trying to push in this area is the boundaries of creativity in the employer Mm -hmm. branding Mm -hmm. space. So I think we tend to be very literal in how we express our ideas. So we want to talk about innovation. So we have a talking head to camera. We have someone speaking about how innovative the company is. I always challenge people to show what they mean by innovation. So to be innovative, to act in an innovative way, to create content that actually shows innovation rather than saying innovation. Mm -hmm. That's the way that you can start to think about it. How can I express this idea in a non-literal way? And that actually comes from insights and it comes from the brief. So it comes from understanding um, what your audience will be expecting you to show and being able to subvert it. Um, It also comes from knowing how you and only you as a brand would say or approach something like that. So I often give the example, um, and it's an example from advertising. I often give the example of the sort of Burger King moldy whopper, if you're familiar with that. No, uh, no. So a a while back, um, in order to show that the, the burger was preservative free, Um, or certainly more preservative-free than a McDonald's burger, Burger King actually ran an ad which showed a decayed Whopper. So it was a burger that had decayed over the space of a week or a month or whatever it right. was. And it was sort of subverting the yes. idea of... The, I remember you know, that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I remember not liking it that much. Yeah, yeah. It, it was very polarizing. But but what I would say about that application of creativity that we can, we can learn something from is... Another company might have said, okay, we need to show that we're preservative free. So we'll talk, we'll have a scientist or a yep. farmer, you know, from the business talking mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. how organic and pure and fresh the ingredients are. But they used um, a combination of insight. So knowing that their audience wouldn't believe that, you know, there's so much cynicism about the fast food industry. You really have to show it and be disruptive. That's and true. And knowing, knowing who they were as a brand, knowing that as a brand, their main goal is subversion and to surprise and shock. Um, and that's how they behave. And usually their goal is also to try and um, show how they're different to McDonald's in the process. And McDonald's had run loads of campaigns showing their farming process and showing their organic ingredients. That's true. So it was just a very unique 
way to express an idea that's being expressed by a lot of their competitors. So I always use these kind of examples when I'm talking about employer branding to show that creativity and insight and knowing who you are brand is actually the way that you get cut through. Um, and it comes through in that creative idea. So you can have the least original strategy ever, but yeah. if you can apply creativity um, and creative thinking, then you can be original. Would you say this is easier for the more established brands such as Burger King or is it the same for the smaller companies? How can how can companies really tap into their creativity to make sure they discover the uniqueness? Yeah, I actually think in some ways it's easier for a smaller brand, especially mm-hmm. from an employer brand perspective. A lot of these larger brands have um, a pre-established conception from the from the public and from candidates about who they are as an employer. Actually, as a smaller brand, you tend to have a fairly clean slate. Um, the important thing is understanding um, the parameters of your, of your brand. So understanding how you're going to speak and how you're going to show up in the world and making sure that's consistent because that's how you start to build brand over time is really knowing who you that's are. Right. So mm-hmm. I actually think that's more important than having access to huge budgets or um, being a well-known brand. And in fact, being a well-known brand can actually hinder you sometimes. Emily, do you think there are methodologies we can apply when talking about employer branding? And and if there are, do they have more to do with human resources or more with marketing? What's your take on this? Um, I think it's a combination. I think you have to, I think at the core of it is you have to understand people. And marketeers certainly spend time trying to understand people in terms of what makes them buy and what moves them um, to purchase. I think that employer branding goes deeper than that. And that's where the HR angle comes in because you're not asking someone to make a short-term transaction. You're not asking Mm -hmm. them to buy a product which they can return. You're asking them to make a big decision. And I think even more in the last two to three years, we've come to understand how much our work impacts our lives and impacts every aspect of our lives from how much time we can spend with our family to, you know, our health and mental well-being, for example. Mm -hmm. So this is a huge Mm -hmm. decision. Um, And I think you need to apply that understanding of um, human needs from a career perspective, which is where, you know, great HR grounding comes in, um, which does go deeper than some of the marketing principles. That said, um, there are some great methodologies in branding and marketing that I don't see applied often enough to the employer branding space. Things like writing a proper brief, things like actually taking the time to gather insight about your audience and about Mm -hmm. your competitors. Mm -hmm. Um, things like having a very single-minded proposition, understanding a single-minded thing that you want to communicate and not trying to communicate 20 mm-hmm. things in one piece of comms. Did I disconnect or did you disconnect? I think I just stopped talking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because my internet is sometimes very bad. No, but I was, okay. you, you got me really thinking because I think in the end this is a problem because companies never have an employer branding professional in-house. And when you try to work either with marketing or with HR, you end up having just, you know, the best of each of these worlds, but not something that's combined and not something that's um, valuable. So I guess your your marketing background is of huge value. I know it's it's the same for me and it helps us a lot when, when uh, drafting an employer value proposition and when, tr- when trying to understand what we want to communicate. So, yes, I, I totally agree. Communication is... Communication yeah. skills definitely, mm-hmm. definitely help. Being able to tell a story, 
being able to understand as well distribution because actually that's the piece people forget they make lovely content and they put it on their, mm-hmm. uh, their linkedin page or their uh, careers site and actually a huge part of marketing is actually going where your audience is um so a broad understanding of targeting and media etc is really helpful even if you don't understand the detail understanding the principles that we have to reach people where they are and we understand, you know, what formats will work best for what audience. Absolutely. And, mm-hmm. You know, things like that. Basic marketing principles we really try yes. to... The good old buyer persona, right? <laughs> yeah. In the end. Emily, what's a project that you are super proud of? Um, I mean, I'm proud of a lot of the work I've done mainly because it's been in really extreme circumstances um, over the last couple of years. It's been an interesting time to be trying to branch out on your own. And, and a lot of it I've done, um, yeah, it's been doing things for the first time in some cases as well. So um, I'm really proud of everything that I've done, but I'm particularly proud, I would say, of one of the first clients that I worked with um, who are a big tech company, a global tech company, but mainly HQ'd out of the US, called Smartsheet, who are a really lovely uh, software as a service company who got very busy during the pandemic because they help people to, um, they they create software that basically helps people manage their own projects and manage teams um, remotely as well. Yeah, help them manage um, teams and and projects remotely. Um, So what I worked on with them was everything from sort of mission, vision and values to employer brand. So I really loved being able to properly connect the dots um, and build sort of the core mm-hmm. communications and, and purpose foundation um, with them, which was incredible. It was a very collaborative process. Um, but the story we told, I think, was particularly powerful. So, um, you know, there was a lot of change obviously happening in the world. There was a lot of change happening through their organization, but there was also a lot of change happening for their customers who were having to adapt um, and figure out how to work in new ways. So we had this sort of central thought about being the drivers of change, um, but it expressed itself in a really lovely creative way. So we turned it into a, an idea called We Work in Progress. And it was really about how mm-hmm. everyone is constantly working in progress there. They are both helping to support progress for their customers, but also for themselves at work. But even deeper than that, for themselves as individuals. And it was it came at a time when we were deep into the pandemic. So a lot of the markets we were working with were in lockdown. Um, So we were really limited creatively as to what we could shoot. And also progress just didn't feel immediate. People were stuck at home. They weren't going anywhere. Mm -hmm. It was one of the Mm -hmm. furthest ideas from people's minds. So being able to convey the idea that every day at this company, people were working in progress and felt progress and experienced it themselves and were the drivers of that progress for themselves, Um, was a really powerful thought, um, particularly at that time. And we also had to capture it all remotely. So massive uh, shout out to my clients, Katie Bocamp and Cara Hamilton in particular at Smartsheet, who were really brave enough to let us sort of self-shoot and self-direct remotely and and ask people to capture their stories themselves. Um, And it's actually, it turned into a a really powerful, very human piece, um, not as polished as anything we'd usually see in the employer branding space, but um, I think more the powerful for it. Um, And the stories of individual progress that people told were incredibly moving. Would you say this is one of the projects that actually changed the lives of the the people working for the company? I like to think so. Um, I mean, we had some incredible feedback from the employees um, who both took part and who saw this. And I think it was exactly what people needed at that moment. 
to really feel like they were moving forward and progressing, even though it felt like the world was standing still around them. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I felt a lot of energy from it. Um, and um, I've stayed in touch with a lot of the people that we interviewed and spoke to as part of the process. And uh, they still talk about being moved, about being part of that process as well. So, yeah, nice. it was an amazing sort of moment in time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Especially in the pandemic, I guess, right? Yeah, absolutely. Two examples of companies which are doing a great job when it comes to employer branding. Um, if we're talking about execution, I always um, love following HubSpot's social channels. I think they do a great job mm -hmm. of putting the power in the, the hands of the employees, but it still feels curated. It still feels like it's coming from the same narrative and the same positioning, um, even though they've delegated a lot of the, the creativity uh, out to the talent themselves. But it feels very authentic and you get a, a real... Um, sense of who they are as a business. So I always follow them for inspiration in terms of execution. Um, I think, though, often a great employer brand comes from your actions and what you actually do as an employer, which is often out of our control as employer branding professionals. True. But mm -hmm. I always cite companies like Chobani, who um, are really invested in community, both internally and externally, and you really feel it through all their decision-making process. So they're a, um, a yogurt brand based out of the US or yogurt and dairy products, I believe. Um, but the founder is actually an ex-refugee himself. And you can see through his his work that he actually wants to build up and empower people. So that that threads right through from, you know, giving all employees right down to the people who work in his factories equity mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. business to empowering them to help other communities, to opening factories in areas where he knows there's high unemployment um, and wants to give back to those communities. So you really feel that sense through everything they do, um, that it is a full cycle and that the brand is built on believing in people. Um, and that definitely translates to their employee experience. So I'm very, um, I'm always watching them for examples of how to do and show through your actions rather than just talk about it. Mm -hmm. Okay. One thing you wish you'd known two years ago about employer branding or company culture or employee engagement? Oh, that's such an interesting question. One thing I wish I'd known two years ago. Um, <laughs> I, I would have liked to know that um, it will the conversations that I was having two years ago will become more mainstream conversations. Mm -hmm. So I feel like two years ago, I was talking about connected brand and the idea that everything you do as a brand and an employer brand <laughs> self-perpetuating and they, they impact and influence each other. And I think it took the pandemic for those conversations to become front page news. So yeah. I would have maybe hit my head against a wall less had I realized that the world would catch up a bit quicker than I thought um, due to this catalyst of the, mm -hmm. the pandemic and us all working in different ways. Because I think, you know, sort of the first time that I started seeing things about, you know, frontline workers um, and how big companies and big brands were treating their workers suddenly becoming front page news, that wasn't as much in the public consciousness um, as it has been in the last two years. And the idea That's that true. the public... Mm -hmm would boycott brands on the basis of how they treat their employees. Um, and the employees would feel more empowered than ever to be vocal and 
um, express discontent with with things happening in their company. I mean, I, I sort of assumed that would be happening a couple of years ago, but I think we've only just started um, seeing it in the last couple of years. So it would have been nice to know that that was going to be expedited, I guess. So would you say that it's easier now to have an employer branding strategy in place? Is it easier now to do employer branding specifically? Um, no, I'd say it's easier to have bigger conversations. Yeah. I'd say the stakes are higher and the landscape is more complex and there are more eyes on the work. So I think it's easier to have an impact if you're the kind of person that can elevate the conversation and join the dots. I think for the internal employer brand person, it's become more complex because suddenly Indeed. branding definitely mm -hmm. wants to be involved. Yep. Um, PR definitely wants to be involved, which are all good moves, but they do make the day-to-day -day harder. And they mean that actually a lot of your job has to be about influencing and understanding the interconnectedness between those. So I think it's become a more complicated job in some ways, but I think the opportunity and the the ability to influence is much richer. Mm -hmm. I see it the same way. Yeah. So we are reaching the end of our lovely conversation. And one thing that I ask all my guests when we reach the end is to suggest a resource that's been instrumental in what they're doing that has helped them a lot on their day-to-day -day projects. It can be a blog article or, I don't know, a podcast or um, a book, whatever you feel has helped you. Okay, I'll list two. Um, <laughs> Please. Yeah, if that's okay. Because sure. um, one's slightly broader. So I would say for employer branding uh, content, I always love following James Ellis's employer brand headlines. I think mm -hmm. they're always well put together, thought through, um, considered, and they're always really interesting. Um, but I also like to keep an eye on things outside of employer branding because I think otherwise we miss the bigger business context of, sure. of you know, what we, the mm -hmm. work that we're doing. And often you can build great insight from just reading about the world. So I also find reading like Harvard Business Review or The Economist or just anything mm -hmm. that tells you a bit more about the state of business and the world or Business Insider is also really interesting. So I would just say try and keep your reading broad. I think we can get a bit in our own little employer brand bubbles and our employer brand, if it's anything, does not exist solely um, in right. the minds of candidates and employer brand marketing managers. So I think it's really important to place everything that you do in the context of what's going on in the world. I totally agree. And I think the more you expand your reading circle, the more creative you get. At least that's Definitely. that's what happens to us when whenever we work on our creative campaigns for employer branding. Super. Emily, thank you so much for talking to me this morning. This has been really, really interesting and fun. And um, I wish you good luck in growing the team and in getting the most interesting projects ever. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you. It's been really lovely to talk to you too. Always love starting the day with some inspiration. Um, and the week also, love, right? Love. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> starting the week. Um, and it's really lovely to meet you. We'll be to meet face to face in Berlin soon. Thank you for listening to the Inside Podcast. You can find our podcast on Spotify and on Apple Music. And if you want to read more on employer branding or digital marketing content in general, go to BeagleCat.com or EmployerBranding.tech. See you next time. Bye.